in your life. Amen. But I think sometimes we think of peace as something different than what true peace is. And today I want us to look at what true peace is because I believe we can have that in the chaos, in the separation, in all that goes on in this world. How can we have peace? Well, God knew the exact way to have peace, and that was to give us the greatest gift ever given. That was the birth of his son, Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus entered, and you know, people will go back and they'll look and say, why did God wait? God was not on time, or we know what. God is always on time. All of those years in the Old Testament, those 400 years, what we call the silent period between the Old Testament and the, the New Testament, God knew the exact time that peace needed to come. Believe he knew when people would be receptive, but also the roads had been established, travel had been established, communication had been established. Everything was set for this greatest gift on earth, the birth of Jesus to come, and it came right on time. The Bible tells us that there's an appointed time for everything. God knew from before eternity when he would send Jesus. He wasn't just woke up one day and said, you know, today's the day, let me send him. But when Jesus came, it was a declaration of peace. The angels proclaimed that peace, but that declaration, what is the declaration of peace but the, the birth of Jesus? And what is peace? What do I want us to take away today about the birth of Jesus and how it relates to us and peace? What is peace? Maybe we could look at it this way. A state of tranquility or wholeness is one definition. You see in the Old Testament the word shalom is peace. How is Jesus a declaration of peace? How can we have peace because of what Jesus did? We're going to look at three things today from three different passages. But I want us to go home with a declaration of peace because this declaration of peace dealt with the effects of sin in this world. Do you know the reason there is no peace as people look for? The reason there's no peace is because there's sin in the world. And until God sent his son Jesus to be that declaration of peace and all that Jesus means, he came to deal with the effects of sin. Remember when we were lighting the candles, I was talking about chaos and separation and brokenness. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. The first thing I want us to see is that because Jesus is a declaration of sin, what he did when he came is Jesus removes the dysfunction from this world. Jesus removes the dysfunction from our life. One put it this way. Injustice is more than a political dysfunction. It is a spiritual evil, a denial of God. And by now, the mess we've made is so far advanced that systematic, 
so overwhelming, it's beyond our powers of correction. The denial of God had gotten so great that there's nothing man can do about it. And the reason there is dysfunction in this world is because even today, there's a denial that there is a God. And I don't care what they say, we know the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ. There is a God, there is a creator, there is one who is divine and orchestrated and designed everything of who we are and who this world is. And when he originally created it, there was no dysfunction. I mean, just think for a moment how people can imagine that there is not a God that is divine and created. I mean, look at how our earth spins. Look how close we are to the sun. Do you know if we were one degree closer to the sun, we would burn up and die? And if we were one degree further away from the sun, we would freeze to death. God created our bodies to function. Skin cells fall off and new ones come back. Our mind knows how to tell our heart to beat and our lungs to breathe without thinking about it. You see, originally there was communion with God. God created man, he created woman, he put them together. Yes, I said God created man, God created woman, and he put one man and one woman together. For what? For the purpose of recreation. To repopulate the world. He put them in this perfect garden. But all of a sudden, because of the effect of sin, dysfunction entered in. Take your Bibles with me and open to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, and as you're turning there, I want to let you know what's going on in this passage. You see, John 16, we're going to be looking at 29 through 33, records a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. This conversation happened not long before Jesus was going to the garden to pray and headed to the cross. Jesus has just finished promising them the Holy Spirit. He just finished promising them the answer to prayer. And he just finished foretelling about his death and resurrection. Now Jesus is wanting to tell the believers how they can have peace. And it's through him. Let's look at uh, John 16. Stand with me as we read this passage this morning. John 16, beginning in verse 29. It says, his disciples said, lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figurative of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have need, no need for anyone to question. You by this, we believe that you come from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming. And has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. And in the world, in the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Father God, I do pray today. Lord, that you would soften our hearts to be receptive to Holy Spirit. Lord, I beg of you that you would open our ears to hear from Holy Spirit. 
And Lord, I plead that you would help me to step aside and that, Lord, I would just become a vessel to be used by you, called by you. Lord, would you speak through me today, Father, so that we can understand a declaration of peace through your son, Jesus. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So what is the dysfunction in the world in their day? It all stems back to the same thing it is today. It's a rejection of who God is, a rejection that there is a God. And I believe beyond that, the rejection not only that there is a God, but that there will be a judgment. You see, people believe I can live life just any way I want to live life. When I die, I die. And nothing else happens. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Maybe some just believe there is no God. Or they reject the idea. Well, I promise you that one day, as scripture tells us, every knee will bow before him. When we're looking right here, we know that they're getting ready to go into the garden. Jesus is going to begin to pray. And what happens? But Judas comes in and betrays him. And all of Jesus' disciples scatter. Even the one that said, I'll stick with you to death just moments before. Did stick with him a little while, but it didn't take him long to deny even knowing him. You see, there become dysfunction in their life as they were scattered about. They were to work together. It's just the way the churches were to work together. But dysfunction come as those who rejected Jesus as being the Son of God came in and they took him off as a common criminal. We also see that Jesus' disciples were going to desert him. Not just did they scatter, not just did they run, but they deserted Jesus. Now we think, you know, no big deal. Jesus just wrote in here, you know, there's going to be a come a time that you're going to leave me alone, but I'm not going to be alone. But you do know I cannot help but imagine that that did hurt Jesus because he was flesh. How would you feel if your friends that you have given everything to just left you when you went through a down time? Went through a a dark spot. You see, dysfunction comes about. And it says here that Jesus told them. I love that there at verse 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. This world describes peace as happiness harmless maybe no dysfunction you know this world we all want peace we want to be able to to live life and not have any problems as that little video showed before i come up peace is not the absence of tribulation if peace is the absence of tribulation then i can go ahead and put my bible down we can go home because we have peace in jesus but even While we're in Jesus, we will have tribulation in this world. And I believe as believers, sometimes our tribulation is going to be more because the world is going to turn against us just as they turned against Christ. They're not rejecting us, they're rejecting what we believe. 
I've yet to figure out the mentality of those people today who say, let's just have justice and let's just agree to disagree. Have you ever heard that one? Let's just agree to disagree until you disagree with them. And then they got a problem. You know, they don't want to play the same game. But church, we can't just disagree. There is a Christ. There is a God. There is a creator. And Jesus came on that day as a gift for the purpose of being a declaration of peace that was announced first by the angels to the shepherds and then through the rest of the world and will continue on for all of eternity. It doesn't matter what people's tried to do to stamp it out. It's still here. It don't matter what they're going to try to do to stamp it out. It will always be here because Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the peace. So as I mentioned earlier, peace is not the absence of tribulation. Peace is the presence of Jesus Christ. So if you are here today and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have peace within you. Now, we might go through some ups and downs and some roller coasters and some hiccups in this world. But on the inside where Jesus resides, we have true peace. And I believe that true peace comes because the dysfunction within our soul has been eliminated. The dysfunction of not knowing what's going to happen after we die. But you see, as another one put it, we have to look, what is the church? It's a chosen gathering of unfinished people. I like that, don't you? The church, God's church, is a gathering of unfinished people. God's not finished with us yet. Since it means accepting that we are defined in the last analysis by something other than the love of God in Jesus Christ. Excuse me, I didn't go on to the wrong thing. What is the church's gathering of unfinished people still grappling with the selfishness of sin and the seduction of temptation living in a fallen world where there is deception and dysfunction all around? That's us. We're the church. We're God's chosen people, but we're not complete yet. Amen? He's still working on us. We still live in a world that's full of sin. We're still tempted. We're still going to fall, but we know that we're in that fallen world and that there is deception and dysfunction, but Jesus comes to remove the dysfunction. Not only does Jesus come to remove the dysfunction, but Jesus removes the disunity. What happened in that garden when they sinned? You know, prior to that, when God would come in the cool of the evening, the Bible would tell us, and he would walk with Adam and Eve. Amen. He would, can you imagine walking and talking with God? But when the sin came in, the effect of that sin caused a disunity. They hid themselves. Adam and Eve would go around and we even kind of think it a little silly and probably giggle to ourselves when we think Adam and Eve ran around outside naked. But there was no shame. But today, because of the disunity that's happened and the dysfunction, we think running around naked is crazy. And don't run around outside naked because Lane going to pick you up and take you to jail. You just can't do that today. But it wasn't originally that away. There was a separation 
between them. Let's take a look. Paul was writing to the Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians 2 verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. Paul was writing to the Ephesians that how to be truly alive and to be alive you must be in Christ. Commentator or theologian N.T. Wright said disunity may perhaps be the ultimate worldness since it means accepting that we are defined in the last announced by something other than the love of God and Jesus Christ. That's what disunity is. We're separated. We're not looking at each other, defining each other as being in the love of Jesus Christ. You know, if you're to look at your brother through the lens of God, if you're to look at your brother through the lens of the cross, we would see a unified group. But we don't. Unfortunately, in this world, when we still look at each other, we see rich and we see poor. We see black and we see white. We see American and we see Korean. We see Baptist. We see Pentecostal. We see Assembly of God. We see Southern Baptist, Missionary Baptist. Look at the titles. All that is is disunity. In the family of God, we're all one church, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason he came, is to bring that. You see, Jesus came... To remove the disunity, the separation. Look there, Ephesians 2, verse 11. It says, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Before Jesus came, there was disunity even among people. The circumcised versus the uncircumcised. It said right there, that was something done by man. Yes, it was a command of God, but Jesus came to remove the disunity and bring everybody into one church. He also came to restore. Let's pick up there verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's no other way, church, than by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our, there it is, peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity And quoting out of Isaiah, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Christ came to remove the disunity. He came to restore that that was broken. That that was separated, he came to mend back together. I just love those verses. It says, but now, but now, in Christ and through the blood of Christ. What he was doing, that declaration of peace through that birth, means all the world to us. 
because it opened the door for us to come into the family of God. And he came removing disunity to bring one family. Verse 19 there. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. One family. Jesus wants his church to be one. Through him... Through that bloodshed, through his birth, he declared peace because it is now, remember what I said peace was at the beginning? Tranquility and wholeness. He's bringing his church together into wholeness. He restored, God did, through Adam and Eve. He covered them. He killed that animal and shed that blood. You see, he's coming to get rid of The disunity because of the effect of sin in our life. We're separated from God. But he wants unity. He wants us to be one. He wants us to have that communication. So a declaration of peace. Of Jesus' birth. Not only did Jesus remove the dysfunction. Not only did Jesus remove the disruption Excuse me, the, my mind, y'all pause just a minute. The disunity, but he also removes disruption. You know, there's disruption between fellowship because of sin with God. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 15, it says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are whole together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. There has been a disruption in our relationship to God. So a declaration of peace is to restore that wholeness. That's what the birth of Christ did. For those who accept him, the relationship with God has been restored together. He came to do that because he loves us so much. Amen. And when there's a disruption and there's dysfunction and there is a break in communication, we need help. So when he came to restore the disruption in our relationship, he must restore the disruption in our communication with God. Adam and Eve once had free communication with God. We can have free communication with God today because 
of the birth of Jesus Christ and all that he means and his life and his death, burial, and resurrection. One man wrote it like this. While a true believer cannot lose his union with the Spirit, he can interrupt his communion with the Spirit. And sin is the great disruption to communion with God. Like unplugging the cord of your computer, sin cuts off, cuts us off from the source of power. You want peace. We've all, most of all, I think every one of us raised our hand. You want peace, you got to have communion with God. You got to have communication and fellowship with God, and that comes through a relationship with God. Sin comes in, the effect of that sin breaks that relationship. It breaks that communication. You want to follow God, you want to walk in God's footsteps, and you've got to be able to communicate with Him. And that's all possible because of Christ. And there's also a disruption in the disruption. Like that one. Let's look back at verse 20 just real quick there to Colossians. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. You see, there was a disruption because of our sin. But that's what Christ came. He put a disruption in that disruption when he restored us to him. Let me read this to you. I think it's going to be on the screens here. A.W. Tozier wrote this. It is... Oh, oh, I got it. It is time that we Christians awake to the fact that the world cannot help us in anything that matters. Not the educators, no offense to you back there, Miss Blunt, but just follow me through. Nor the legislators, nor the scientists can bring us tranquility of heart. And without tranquility, whatever else they give us is useless at last. If we don't have tranquility with God, it doesn't matter anything else. Now, educators can help us understand to read so that we can understand God's word. If we had the right politicians in office, they could help us by helping to defend what we have. All of these things can be a part, but they cannot give us tranquility. Because it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It only came through the birth, through a virgin of Jesus Christ that night that the angels made the proclamation. You see, that's what it is, is, is who we are. It's that declaration of peace. You see, Jesus... He is our peace. Jesus removes from our life the dysfunction, the disunity, and the disruption that sin brought in. And there's only one way to true peace. One way, church. And that is through Jesus as our gift from God. What is true peace? It's tranquility with God. If we use that as our definition, there's no way other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's wholeness with God. There's no way to wholeness to God without the birth of Jesus Christ. 
And we must say the virgin birth because that's what made all the difference in the world. Those shepherds heard it. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Church, I shout to you today. Peace is in Jesus only. Jesus came as a declaration of peace so that he could deal with the effects of sin in this world. He is the light of the world. May you bow your heads. Father God, I thank you. Lord, that that night you chose was the night to enter into this broken, dysfunctional, disunified world. Your Son, perfect and holy. Father, you sent him so that you could deal with the dysfunction. Because, Father, he came and removed that dysfunction. Father, you sent your Son so that he could come and remove the disunity. Because he is one with you. And Father God, you sent your Son to disrupt the disruption of communication and fellowship with you through sin. And Father, through your Son as that declaration of peace, Lord, we can be unified with you. We can have a relationship with you. Father, it's all through the blood. Father, will you allow us? Father, will you teach us as your children how to have this tranquility with you, Lord. We have it, but teach us to experience it. Father, we have wholeness with you through the bloodshed of your son and the birth of your son. Teach us how to experience the wholeness. But Father God, I love you. Father, I thank you. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving in this room at this very moment, touching and changing lives forever and forever. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And